Hey, let's thank our worship team, shall we? You know, I, I uh, well, on a lot of times on Saturday night, I will um, kind of drive back on over here. I've got some last-minute stuff I want to get done, and I uh, just sort of get in my car, come on over, and yesterday was no different. I got over here and got off the freeway and drove down. I looked up ahead, and it was like there was construction on the right-hand side, and cars were starting to back up, and it was like right where the construction was, was right where the church is, and it moved to one lane, and there were lights out, and I pulled over behind these people, and I was... Get, you know, just driving through, and I got there, and I, I got to figure out how to get around these construction trucks, and they're working on the side, and how do I get into the, into the church parking lot, and before I knew it, I was past the parking lot area, and I went to the signal, and I thought, okay, I'll, I'll turn around, I'll U-turn, I'll come back, and I'll try to get back across that way, and I got back around, I made a U-turn, I was driving over, and I was trying to figure out how to get through the traffic, and over and through the construction, and then I looked up, and the church was gone. It's like the rapture took place and like they took the building, you know what I mean? I was like, what is going on? And I drove up to the next signal and I looked at the signal. I was like on Alma School Road. <laughs> you know, I was like totally, you know, my mind was like totally elsewhere. My mind, you know, I got off, the exit seemed the same, all that stuff. And I got down there and you guys were gone. I mean, the whole place was gone. I was like, what happened here? And, uh, you know, I mean, I, what, what was going on? I, I did make my way back over, but I thought, you know, sometimes we're like that. We're on our way to get to here, but our mind is elsewhere. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I mean, I, like, there's so many things on my mind that it's just going and everything else is kind of on autopilot. I get here, and like, but my mind is still dealing with all kinds of other things. And maybe today your mind, as you got here today, your mind is kind of elsewhere. There are some things that are just weighing you down to the point where you just go, I'm just overwhelmed with life right at this moment. God, my mind is, it's just elsewhere right now. I'm just full of whatever. Or maybe, maybe you came in and, and just your whole morning has been a disaster and just getting here and you're not even sure if the person you're with likes you. You're not just there, whatever, but your mind is elsewhere. And, and I just want to take a moment to say, you know, it's, it's a great time right now to say, you know, God, my mind is elsewhere, and it doesn't want to be. It doesn't need to be. So why don't you just bow your head with me, and maybe just speak to God and just say, God, you know my mind. You know my life. You know what's going on right now. And I don't want to be elsewhere. I, I want to be at the heart of who you are. So maybe just speak that into God. Jesus, we want to uh, hear you today, and we want you to speak into us real words of life and the truth. So, God, this morning, just open us up to who you are and to your voice, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning to all of you. You know, we're in this series, and uh, right now we're, we're kind of looking at uh, why does the church exist? You know, why do we exist? What is our purpose? What is the purpose of the church? 
And uh, I thought about that. I thought, wow, you know, what is the purpose of the church? And before we really even get there, you know, I talked a little bit last time about kind of being a series that's sort of two-tiered. You know, on the one hand, it's a, it's a series about the church and the questions that are significant to what is foundational for the church, but it's also asking those same similar questions to us about our own relationship with God in our own lives, like what's going on with you? What is your purpose? What is my purpose? What is the purpose of our life. God created the church with a purpose. God created you with a purpose. What is that purpose? How do we discover it? How do we find it? You and my family, I have two brothers. I'm the youngest, and I had a sister, and, and growing up, and, and uh, I was the youngest, but the, the boys, we kind of like got cars when we were in high school and college, and uh, they weren't great cars. They were not great cars, but anyway, they, uh, when we kind of had sports cars, and so we had like you know, old MGs and Austin Healy Sprites and things like that that weren't, at that point now, they might be a little more exotic. They're not, they weren't exotic at all. They were like barely moving, if you know what I mean. But you learned a lot of stuff about cars because the, the you know, the, the most important thing that you had in your trunk was your tools because the car was always breaking down and you learned how to climb underneath it or whatever you needed to do or climb into it and pull it apart and all that kind of stuff. And and, uh, and my brother had this just beat-up MGA. It was a piece of junk, but we kept it running, and um, one time we were working on it, we learned that you kind of learned how to, like, tune it up yourself. How many, you know, guys know what I'm talking about? How many people, like, have actually tuned up a car, at least tried, and, yeah, gave up? Okay, good. Well, all right, so... Um, Anyway, so we had this MGA, and we were working on it, and we got, it's not what, you didn't used to be quite that di difficult, but you got, you know, the distributor, then you got points and plugs and a condenser and a little rotor, and you put that stuff in, and you kind of slammed it back together. We put this thing back together, tuned it up, and it ran worse than when we started. I mean, it was awful. It was bucking and kicking down the road, and it was terrible. It was terrible, and we, rolled, we got it back home. You know, we just drove down a few blocks. It was awful. Got it back home opened the hood up again, looked at everything, and tried to, what in the world? Well, we'd re, we had, we had uh, connected up the distributor wires to the wrong spark plugs. That's not a good plan. You know what I mean? I mean it's just, we're missing right there really badly. And sometimes we can get our wires kind of crossed a little bit. And we want to make sure that we've gotten things connected to the right places, especially with God. It's essential for us to get this, that when we talk about God's purpose for your life and my life, God's purpose for his church, that we get the right things connected to the purposes of God. We don't want to be misfiring. We don't want to be expending energy that isn't going anywhere. We, we want the best from God, and we want to learn God's ways. Hmm. So, like, what is purpose in life for you? and for me. People have all kinds of things that they drive after, don't they? I mean, we have people that their main purpose in life is to make as much money as possible, or to have security like crazy, or to have like as many friends as they can, or their family becomes their, their guiding purpose in their life, or that they would have the best grades in school and get into the right college, or that they would be able to get that promotion that they've wanted to have at work. That they would be seen as an esteemed person in the community. Whatever that is that drives people, it drives us. What are the purposes? What is your purpose in life? People come up with all kinds of stuff. And not that those, what I even mentioned, are necessarily bad. But your purpose in life could be that like you are a major, major, you know, uh, Phoenix Cardinals fan. And that's like, that's me, you know, that's, that's huge for you or whatever. 
And those things aren't necessarily bad, but is that really why God designed you and put you on this planet? Is that your purpose? Because I believe that God designed each and every one of us uniquely for his purpose. And ours is to discover that purpose. And in the process, when we are a follower of Jesus, we fit in to what God's purpose for the church is because we are the church, not the building. We are the church, right? So we want to find out not only what our purpose is, but how it fits into God's plan for the church as well. Sounds to me like God and Jesus had a a distinct design for the purpose of the church. I don't think he was talking about bake sales and car washes and bingo. I don't think he was talking about that at all. When Jesus says to Peter, he says this in Matthew 16, 18, and 19, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I think Jesus had a clear understanding of what his purpose was for the church. And I think it was exciting. I don't think he cut corners at all. I think he knew exactly what his plan and purpose was for the church. He had a design for it. And I think he was going to be very clear about what that was. So I don't think we have to guess about the purposes of the church, and I want to talk really about five of those today, kind of five key purposes. Jesus was not vague when it came to the purposes of the church. Otherwise, if we get off track with the purposes of the church, the church can begin to major on minor things rather than on the major things, missing the things that are incredibly significant and grabbing onto things that are less significant. So we want to make sure that we are with the purposes of the church. When I was coming here, when I decided, okay, I'm coming here, the church said, why don't you come and help us here, whatever, and I was trying to figure out, okay, I've got a relatively small automobile. It's not a big car. I can only take so many things, and so, you know, you kind of go through this process of, like, I can't take all of my clothes. Um, I can't take, you know, all all of my books in my library. I'm kind of limited space that I can get into the car, so I've got to kind of determine what's the most important, right? You with me? When you're going on a trip, you usually figure out we can only take so much stuff, And so I was trying to figure out what are the most essential things that I've got to have. Now, if you're married, it really helps if you have a smart wife like I do, that, you know, they're able, your spouse is usually able to handle a little bit more what are essential things for you. Did you think you might need this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but like, otherwise, you know, I'm lost, you know. Uh, But anyway, so I I narrowed it down. I kind of had my list of the things that I was going through and checking off that needed to go on. So I put the most important thing in first, my golf clubs, right? Right, I put the golf clubs in. Actually, I did squeeze them in, but no, but you, you've got this list, right? You've figured out these are the most important. I don't have room for the kayak. I mean, I don't have room for all that stuff, so I have to limit it. I have to determine what are the essential things that I need to have. You know, churches, they kind of come up with a short list. They kind of, they come up with a, a kind of a, a short defining list of their purposes, And they call those like purpose statements. And so I pulled a bunch of those purpose statements from churches. Sometimes they're just a few words. Sometimes they're a sentence or two. 
but they're a way of kind of honing down the essential core of what their church is all about in a few words or a phrase. So listen to some of these and kind of let them resonate with you because they come from all different kinds of churches from all over the place. So here we go. Here's one, knowing Jesus and making him known. See, not hard, not long, pretty specific, to the point, it's got a purpose. Here's one, to reach up, reach out, and reach in. Leading people to experience a God-first life. To revive believers, reach friends, and renew culture. These are pretty good, aren't they? To live by faith, to be known by love, and to be the voice of hope. Helping people take their next step toward Christ together. To connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. To win people to Jesus Christ, train believers to become disciples, and send disciples out to impact the world. We have one of those statements around here. It's connect, grow, serve. Connect with God, grow in faith, and serve in love. That's what hope's little purpose statement is. Some years ago, I was working with the church, and, and uh, a, a woman came up, and it was just kind of in casual conversation as she was kind of next to me, and, uh, and she just said, um, I hope my little church never changes. I hope my little church never changes. Now, if you're like me, I'm, I'm assessing that because all of us in conversations will talk about how we see the purpose of our church. We'll make little statements about the church, and those are kind of purpose statements in a way. And I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of assessing that. So when she said that, I'm thinking, is that, is that a compliment? Is that a sentiment? Or is that a warning? What, kind, what is that statement, right? I mean, I'm trying to assess what does she mean by that. That's her purpose. That's her hope and purpose for her church. What, what is that? So, so we want to be careful to make sure that we've gotten the purpose right, that, that we understand it, and we understand it from a biblical perspective. What's going on here? What is Jesus' purpose for the church? Again, incredibly important. A little over 13 years ago, Rick Warren wrote a book, The Purpose Driven Life. Anybody read that book? Okay. And I know it was a little over 13 years ago because I was working in a church in Colorado and I was flying back and forth as often as I could to the Bay Area because my sister was in the throes of cancer and I was trying to get home to her and be with her and spend as much time as I could and then fly back and be at work and then fly back out and be with her in the hospital. And, and when my sister passed away just after that time, that book had been out and people had been reading it in our church. We just started to kind of get that going. And I was really concerned for my nephew, Peter, 
who's about 13 younger than me, years younger than me, and, and my sister's only child, and they were, his parents were divorced. And I was really concerned for him as a young man. And I, I thought, how do I, he's in California, I'm in California, how do I connect, how do I stay connected to him? And then I came, I, I think, just got this idea, you know, why don't, why, don't we, why don't we get on the phone once a week? Why don't we read a book together? And I chose The Purpose Driven Life. And every week on Wednesday at 9 o'clock, my time in Colorado, I would either call Peter or the next week he would call me. And every week, and here was the guidelines, we're going to read the book a chapter at a time. We're going to talk about it. We're going to underline stuff, write all over it, do whatever. We're going to talk about what's those concepts, what God's teaching in that chapter and how it's impacting our lives. And the second part is we're going to pray. We're going to pray together every week. Going to be an hour, no more. I tell you, that hour went by like that. We studied that book for pretty much that entire year we made that commitment. And it was remarkable looking back as he and I talk about that. Since then, we've done it a couple times with other books. But looking back at that, this book was spectacular for us because we realized that it was a book that kept us on God's purpose kept us without kind of falling off to the side, kept us moving in God's direction. It helped us work through grief for him to lose his mom and me to lose my only sister. It helped us not only work through grief, but gave us a perspective to keep moving on with life that God is going to move you forward. The purpose-driven life. What on earth am I here for? Now, he's flipped that and kind of done an updated version of that book, and it's called What on Earth Am I Here For? The Purpose Driven Life. Anybody not read that book but thought, you know what, I could use some purpose in my life. I wouldn't mind reading that book. Anybody that's not like not read that book? Don't be bashful. Yeah, okay, okay, good, because I got a couple of, I got a couple of free copies here. It's a great book. If you haven't read that book for a while, Take it off, dust it off, and go after it again. I've got some other copies in the back. Not free, but you can, you can stop back. They're about 10 bucks. If you don't have it, we'll take care of it, but you can stop back at that table and grab onto them. I know what it means to have purpose in life, even in challenging times. God wants us to have a purpose. And I want to look at five purposes today. Really quickly, I want to look at five purposes that, that Jesus gave the church, and they apply to our life as well. If you're in your notes, from Matthew 22, 37, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, what's going on here? Well, what's going on is you've got these scribes and teachers of the law, these religious guys, who are the ones that kind of keep track of everything and keep score on everybody's sort of religious barometer or whatever, and they've got over 600 laws and rules and regulations for everybody to live by, and they come to Jesus to kind of trap him and trick him, and they say, of all these things, we'll just ask Jesus, we'll catch him on this one. So Jesus, what's the most important? Of all of the commandments, what is the most important commandment? Jesus doesn't miss a beat. Jesus doesn't miss a beat. He doesn't have to think about that for an instant. He's right back at them. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. Why is that? Because Jesus knows that central to anything is our relationship with God. It is primary, first and foremost. It is to worship God. It is to worship God. 
So that's the first one. It is to worship. First and foremost for us in the church and for the church as a group gathered together is worship. We worship God. That is the first purpose that Jesus talks about. Love the Lord your God. Worship God. Love God. Love God. It's, it's God that draws us together. It is having an expectation that when we come here, God will be here and show up among us. It's knowing that when we are alone, God will be there when we worship Him. You don't have to be in this building. You don't have to be here on a Sunday, although I'm glad you are. But it's when we gather, right? Or it's when you are alone. It's we worship God. That is the primary purpose. Everything else, everything else is foundation. That is foundational for everything. Worship is the main thing right here. And worship is not a spectator sport. We don't watch stuff. I don't know anywhere in the Bible where people just sort of sat there in a worship experience where they just kind of listened in. No, worship is what? It is to engage, right? It's to engage. It's to be a part of what's going. That's why when we have people up here, they're just not doing worship and we're watching them. They're the prompters. They're the ones who are leading us in, who are drawing us forward, who want us to engage with God. Their job is to help us to get there. That's worship. Worship isn't passive. It's not sitting and observing or critically analyzing. That is not worship. Worship is to love God. Worship is to honor God. It is participating. Hmm. Let's just say that next week we're going to have your favorite worship group, some favorite Christian band, some musician, Christian musician is going to be here and they're going to lead the service and they're going to be here and you're pumped about it. It's your favorite person, people, band, whoever it is. Or maybe it's like Billy Graham. Next week he's speaking here. His final sermon of all the sermons he's ever given, he's at Hope Church next week. Don't quote me on that. He's at Hope Church next week. I'm telling you, would you be any different about getting here next week? You bet. You'd make sure that you were here early because you know there'd be a crowd here. You'd probably be telling your friends, hey, this is happening at my church. You gotta come. You'd be at the door. You'd get the best parking place you could. You'd be here early. You'd be waiting for those doors to open and as soon as they opened, you'd wanna be down front sitting in the front row or as close as you could get because you wanna be here. You wanna be a part and a participant of what is happening here. But it, this is the point. It's not about who's leading. It's about wanting. It's not about who's leading. It's about wanting. It's about your desire to want God in your life. It's about wanting Him passionately. It's about wanting Him to be in your life, to engage with you it's about wanting to worship him as king of kings. It's about wanting God in your life. And when we come to worship, we come because we're driven by a want to be with God. Worship is about wanting. And it's absolutely foundational to all of the other purposes of the church. Here's the second. 
The second is like this. Jesus said, and the second is like it from Matthew 22, 39. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's not a throwaway line from Jesus. Jesus doesn't just toss something on there. It's really interesting that these guys came to him and said, what is the most important commandment of all of them? And Jesus said, this is the first one, love God. And the second one is like it, love your neighbor. Like he doesn't separate those out very quickly. He's like, love God and love your neighbor. And who is your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? Your neighbor. He's not talking about somebody in Africa. He's not talking about somebody that lives across the border. He's talking about the person who lives right near you. He is talking about your literal neighbor. He means the person that you work with, that you live near, the person that's in class with you, the person that you run into at the gym. That's your neighbor. That's my neighbor. I need to care about those people. And that's the, that's the key part there is, do we care about our neighbor? So the second thing is ministry. It is ministering to the lives and needs of others. And hey, we're doing some great stuff here. I'm like thrilled. I walk out there, I see tables up. I see people talking about it. People are bringing cereal to help feed kids. It's amazing. We're helping people worldwide. I get that. And that is incredible. Matthew's Crossing Food Program, Streetlight Ministry, Be the Church to Help in Our Community, One Mission, Building Homes in Mexico, Hope Home, Transitional Housing, San Marcos School, a Title I school to, to help with tutoring and support teachers and encourage them, domestic violence abuse, help with that, great stuff, great stuff. But ministry is also meeting the needs of people that we know face-to-face. It's to know and understand who our neighbor is. Do you know your neighbors? Do you know their names? Have you talked to them? Have you met some recently? Have you reintroduced yourself? Wow. So that's the second one, ministry. The church's purpose is about ministry. It's about serving other people and knowing who they are. Here's the third one. It comes from Matthew 28, the very end. Last chapter, last thing, very insightful. Jesus is about to ascend to heaven. And this is like his last word. You think that's important? Yeah, yeah. Incredible. Jesus says, therefore, I'm ascending into heaven. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Here's number three. Make disciples is evangelism. Whoa, whoa, well, that's a scary word. That means like I'd have to explain, I'd have to talk, I've got to, uh-uh. Evangelism, let's just set that aside. That's the good news. The evangelism, what? The evangelism, the gospel, the good news. We have good news. We were sinners God's made us clean, those who've trusted Christ. You were dead. I was dead. We're alive. We were bound for hell. We're bound for heaven. That's good news. That's good news. That's good news. That is good news. I don't want to live in the bad news. I want to live in the good news. I'm bound for a higher purpose. I'm on this earth for a higher purpose. You're on this earth for a greater purpose. 
That, my friend, is good news. And good news is to share with other people that don't have that news yet. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad if you know Jesus, you've met Him, you've received Him, you've claimed Him, you're a follower of His, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that somewhere along the line in your life, someone cared enough about you to explain the good news. It might have been a pastor. It might have been a a parent. It might have been a teacher. It might have been a peer. But someone, someone explained to you that there is good news and you can know Jesus. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know when it happened. You might as a child, maybe as an adolescent, maybe as an adult. But somewhere Aren't you glad somebody explained to you about the good news? You don't have to be Billy Graham. You don't have to have a a Bible education or gone to seminary. You got good news. Your life's been transformed. You got good news. We have people wandering around all around us who have no purpose in life and are looking for good news. And we got it. So I say to my kids sometimes when they're overwhelmed by stuff and anxious about things, I'll make this statement to them. I think it's kind of fun. But anyway, I just say to them, hey, don't worry. It's only life. It's only life. Sometimes we get so worried about evangelism and stuff like that. It's like the word or whatever. And you just go, it's only life. Just relax. Be who you are. Begin to build into people around you. Begin to care about people. We're talking about caring for people and getting to know them doesn't happen instantly. It might happen over months and months of conversations. But listen, have your antenna up. Find out what people around you are going through. Tell a person, I'm so sorry you're going through the loss of a family member. Hey, can I be praying for you? You don't have to know everything. Just come alongside of people. Get to know them. Listen Listen, here's the fourth one. Matthew 28, 19 says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The fourth purpose is to incorporate into fellowship. It's about fellowship. You know, when we're baptized, it incorporates us. It is our stance of obedience to Christ. It is God's called us to obediently follow Him, and baptism is a way of taking that step. Baptism is the step of obedience to say, Jesus, I'm all in. In front of everybody, I am your follower. I delight in you. I want your purposes for my life rather than my purposes. I'm your follower. I belong to you. I'm all in. That is a great thing. I'm all in. That's what it means. And we become a part of the fellowship of other people who are all in. Other people who with us have made that commitment, taken that step of obedience to become a part and a participant in the family of God. That's the fourth purpose, fellowship. We need each other as we travel this journey of being a disciple. And here's the last one. The last one finally is this. Matthew 28, 20 says, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. That's discipleship. Teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. A disciple is one who follows. They follow a teacher. We have a great teacher. We have a great teacher. Jesus is an incredible teacher. The Holy Spirit's a teacher. The Holy Spirit is an incredible guide and teacher. God teaches us stuff. 
God is a great teacher. A disciple follows the teaching of their teacher. And they don't just learn the, uh, the lessons. They what? They step into those as a guide to life and they follow the teaching with their life. Okay, so maybe you've been here for the first time or you've been a couple of weeks. I've only been doing this a couple of weeks here. But maybe you're thinking, well, you know what? That guy's not too bad. I mean, I can learn a couple things from that guy. And I'm like, okay, good luck with that. But anyway, um, but I go, you know what? Here's a little, just a little insight, a little secret. You know what? I rip off lots of stuff. I do. It's not me. I'm telling you. I'm not that good. I mean, this stuff, I mean, I, I read a lot. I have people, I have my favorite people that I read. I have books. I study. I do that. I interact with people. I call up my friends that are pastors. Hey, what are you doing? Tell me about that. Send me notes. Do, I mean, I rip off stuff. I've got some of my favorite guys that I read. I mean, I can tell you who they are, the books and all that kind of stuff. I rip stuff off. I've got, I've got some books like that. I've got tapes like that. I've got all kinds of stuff. But you know, there's a book that I love. I mean, I like, I rip this stuff all the time. Everything when I'm in there, it's just like great insights and all that stuff. I rip off stuff from the Bible. I rip off stuff from God. Hey, God loves it. Right? I'm being a little bit catty there, but I'm, I'm actually, I'm telling you the truth. You want insights for life? Then begin reading the Bible. It's amazing the stuff that God will start pouring into your life. Have God's Word be a, a resource for you. You need it and I need it. Discipleship. That's the fifth, the fifth purpose. It takes a conscious effort on the part of the church made up by driven people who want to implement the purposes of God to make the church work the way God designed it. You and I have to have a heart's desire to follow the teacher, Jesus, and learn the lessons of him and live that out and be the church. You know, where I come from, there's, uh, in our area, there are these stickers that are on the back windows of cars. They're pretty big. Two letters, there's a big D and an O that kind of intersects it, D-O. It stands for, for Del Oro High School. It's the high school that my son went to, Del Oro High School. It's a great school. And, uh, and sometimes what I do is when I'm putting a message together, I'll write at the top of the page as I'm getting started, a big D-O. Has nothing to do with Del Oro High School. It has to do with desired outcomes. And I'll write it at the bottom at the conclusion, and I'll go, what are the desired outcomes that God wants from this message? What is it that God wants to do? What is it that God wants to say? What is it that God wants you to get from what we're talking about today? Desired outcomes. Let me just close with this. Two little kind of quick, short stories. Jesus um, ran into tons of people. And one of the guys he ran into was this little short guy, and he was a tax collector and ripping people off all over the place. And wanted to see Jesus. People hated him. He climbed up into a tree, small. Remember that story? And he's up in a tree and crowds are coming by and he can't even get to Jesus. And Jesus got this crowd of people all around him. Jesus stops underneath the tree, looks up and says, hey, Zacchaeus, come on down here. Uh, I want to hang out with you. And so Zacchaeus comes down and they go to Zacchaeus' house for dinner. He has all these friends come over and Zacchaeus like totally is turned around, transforms his life 
starts giving back to people because Zacchaeus decides to respond to Jesus' invitation and have the purposes of God rule his life. He walks into the purposes of God. Now, the second story is, is about another guy, a young guy, who's got everything going for him. He's a good guy. He's got plenty of money and plenty of wealth. And he comes to Jesus and he says, I want to inherit eternal life. How do I live life? And Jesus says, you know, are you keeping the commandments? Yeah, I'm doing everything good. Good, that's great. Just, you know, why don't you just kind of give that stuff up? Just follow me and I'll take you on a path. And he can't do it. And he walks away dejected. And he walks away from the purposes of God. And that's really the question for us when it comes to our life. It's really, are you, are you walking into the purposes of God or are you walking away from the purposes of God? Which way are you headed? Why don't you pray with me? You know, for some of us, the purposes become confused and cloudy. Maybe we started off with Jesus, but somewhere we've gotten off track and we're really not on the purposes of God. We're not really walking His direction. We're maybe saying that, but we're in reality, we're, we're really walking on our own purpose for our own design. And it doesn't take much. It can just take a moment today for you to turn to God and say, God, I, I want to walk your purposes. I want to walk your direction. I want to be walking into the purposes of God with you. All it takes is just to admit that to God and get back on track. And if you're walking away from God and you're not walking in His purposes, you can turn that around right now. By just asking God, God, I want to be walking in your purposes. Maybe you're walking in God's purposes today. I honor you with that. And I just say, keep walking into God's purposes. Keep being a person who's a part of the Word of God, who's worshiping God, who's a part of fellowship, who shares good news who knows how to be discipled and learn from God, just keep on the purposes of God and make them primary because that's God's design for you. Jesus, would you just bless us wherever we are today? Turn us that are moving and have moved and are walking outside of your purposes and give us the strength and courage to come back into your purposes. And encourage those of us who are on your purposes to keep moving forward. But God, would you be the purpose that drives our life? In Jesus' name, amen.